0: It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians 6:19, "Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel." May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be back with you. Good morning. I'm sure you've discovered now after these few months that uh, Linda and I have been with you that we we travel a, a fair bit. Uh, we get around and uh, the last couple two or three weeks we've been down to Central and South America and and uh, took a little jaunt. Uh, oh I don't know where else did we go. We've been in uh, Washington DC and Maryland and and the Virginias and uh, we went to see well John Brown you know he led the the, the first they say the first shots against the, in the Civil War to fight slavery those things just kind of draw me out. We've been to Gettysburg um, just to appreciate some of our history. And, uh, but it's good. one thing about a good trip is, uh, is getting home. Because <laughs> there's nothing like home, right? It's just the best of all places. So, and thank you for all your kind words uh, to us uh, as we come back today. And I didn't know. I, I had no idea. You're all going to buy us cars next week. That's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> Uh, Linda and I need a new car. I mean, this. when I got home, my, my battery's dead in my truck, my battery's dead in my car. Uh, all kinds of problems. If you've got time, I'll tell you about it. But No, we just, we, we won't do that. But uh, um, You know, today, actually, I was supposed to be in Israel. So I was invited to go to Israel with a handful of pastors to minister um, in the trenches, along the Gaza Strip, um, praying for families who's. Whose family members are still in the in the tunnels, uh, praying for soldiers who are putting their lives on the line, uh, probably praying for some Palestinians who are fearful, just uh, ministering wherever we can, and and somehow that fell through at the last minute for me, and uh, and and uh, we I had a preacher all lined up for today, and uh, but so when that fell through, I called and I said, well I'm 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 going to be there, so uh, but let's pray for those people who are still going through an awful lot of. Turmoil. You know, we got two major battles going on right now with the United States. Do we not? Who we're involved in. And uh, so we need to pray that God would give our leaders wisdom. And uh, my land, none of us can fathom the devastation, can we? We just can't. So when I consider where I am and what God has given me, I I feel extremely blessed. Do you not? Boy, we we sure do. Thank you, Lord. Um, And you know, coming uh, this, uh, let's see, in two Sundays, as Pastor Jason said, uh, we're going to be kind of gathering to look at the vision for Africa, and I found out since I left you that uh, I'm going to be headed to Africa now. And you have graciously, if you, if uh, I think, given us ten thousand dollars to help finish up a building over there. I've been working on since before COVID. It's a huge training center. It'll probably seat about two or three thousand people. Really, the way they cram them in there, they're already using it, and we're on the home stretch. I think we got about thirty thousand dollars. They say we need. And uh, so I'm praying God's going to help me uh, to finish that off and feel a bit of uh, responsibility for it, actually, because uh, it started. I started when I was at Eugene. Uh, We retired, went through COVID. It kind of fell through the cracks. And uh, so I'm looking forward to whatever God's doing there. And by the way, I think I got room for two or three more passengers. So if you'd like to go to Africa with me, the first of uh, May. Right, honey? I think it's the last of April, the first of May. I'd love to have you go. You just let me know and we'll we'll pray about it. And uh, we'll. Include you in on this, uh, this working witness trip. Well, you have a new pastor. Yeah. Woohoo yeah. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as Linda and I hit Tierra Firm, I called Pastor Mike. Uh, we know each other a little bit and, uh, uh, and had a chat. We're going to be getting together this week and just praying together and uh, dreaming together a little bit. I want to be an encouragement to your new pastor and his wife as they prepare to come. Uh, by the way, you know what my name means now? Less of me and more of him. <laughs> maybe I should have gone like this, huh? All right. Yeah. But you get it. Yeah. My job is to prepare you well to receive your pastor. So that's what I want to do the next uh, couple of weeks. I have three Sundays with you, including today. And I just want to chat with you a little bit about uh, maybe some of my... My heart issues. and uh, But you know, when, when I think about um, your vote, my land, what a good vote. was only one no. And actually, quite frankly, I was glad for that one no. You know, because I don't know if you've read the Bible, but the Bible says, Woe unto the man whom everyone is for. <laughs> so if everyone was for him, I'd be a little concerned. But somebody out there voted no. I say good on you. All in favor, say aye. Aye. You see, when a person feels like they can vote no, when everybody else... That's that's like a, a sign of health. You feel like you can be honest with your own opinion. Whether you're right or not is irrelevant. You feel like you can be honest with your own opinion. And I'll tell you what, I always encourage no votes on my church board. If someone felt that way, I'd much rather have them vote no inside a meeting... Where we all know, regardless of how we vote, when we go out, we're all on the same page. Amen? Amen, So now we're all on the same page. All in favor, say aye again. Aye. Yeah. So this is great. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to get right into a passage this morning. Here's what the Lord's laid on my heart. For a couple weeks now, I've been praying about this. But I I think I'd just like to chat at you a little bit this morning. Is that okay? I just want to... Can we have a table talk? Uh, Let's pretend like uh, we're sitting at a table having a cup of coffee or whatever your uh, your choice of... uh, a morning juice is, and chatting about who God's called us to be and get a picture, a big picture of the church. What is it Jesus painted? I believe Jesus painted it a picture of the church. And it's driven my life as a pastor. For 50 years, it's driven my life. And so I'm, I'm very passionate about this, this, this portion of scripture because it has guided me, it's directed me. It's, I cut my eye teeth on this passage. As a young pastor, even when I was in college, and, and it has really uh, helped me understand that God had a specific picture in mind when He, Jesus, gave us the church. So now I want to read six verses this morning, just six verses, and they're in the book of Ephesians. Remember, this is what we call a prison epistle. Paul is in prison, and and he's been beaten. And he's in a dark dungeon. And he's writing these letters in prison to the churches. And this one is to the church at Ephesus. And in that vision that God gives him, he writes about the picture God has for the church. And what Jesus has done for the church. It's, it's one of the passages, by the way, we call the... Um, it's a spiritual gifts passage. There are four passages in the Bible that deal with spiritual gifts. Every one of you has a spiritual gift. I'll guarantee it. The minute you came to Jesus, he gave you a spiritual gift. And he wants you to use that spiritual gift to his glory, to the edification of the body of Christ, but he will also give it to you to know you, to let you know how important you are in the church. And if you'll use your gift, God will bless you immensely because you're giving yourself away to the kingdom as he gave himself away to you. I love spiritual gifts. So now, these six verses, and as usual, let's stand as we read the Word of God. In fact, I was kind of, I was chuckling as I, as I was watching online as your new pastor shared with you. It, it, it might have caught him off guard, I don't know, but the minute he, he began to read the scripture, you all just stood up. <laughs> and I'm going, that's the church I know right there. They love the Word of God. Wow, that was a cool moment. So here we are, Ephesians chapter 4, it'll be on the screen, and I'm starting with verse 11. And notice these, what we call the leadership spiritual gifts in the church. It was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And here's why to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. What have we all been preaching for, praying for, church? Spirit-anointed unity. Till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen? That's pretty good stuff. Then you and I, we will no longer be infants like babies. Tossed back and forth like waves. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Oh, I love that. And we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. There's only one head of the church, by the way, and it's Jesus, the one who gave his life for the church. And we'll be joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Wow. Well, we all got a job to do. We got some work to do. God's given you a gift. But this morning, I I feel like God's asked me to just chat with you a little bit about what has helped me as a leader in the church, which might encourage you and help you as your new pastor comes. Now, Lord, we need your help. Uh, God, we don't want just to be this some kind of table chat. We want the presence of Christ. We want the knowledge of the Holy Spirit and the assurance that your prayer for us, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there you are in the midst. Lord, we want you right smack dab in the middle of this message that we might hear from you. So, Lord... Um, Guide and guard the words of the messenger. Hide him behind the cross. And may we see Jesus and Jesus only today. In your name we give you all praise and honor and glory. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, as I've already said, this, this, um, this passage has been a major piece of my understanding and my philosophy of the church. I don't know how many times over the years, as a, as a young buck... Um, talking with different pastors who are looking for associates or whatever, someone asked me, a church board asked me, someone asked me, what is your philosophy of ministry? Well, that's something that maybe only a, a Bible student would have thought through. What's your philosophy of, what is your understanding of how it all works? I mean, we know how a car works. You got nuts and bolts and tires and a motor and, you know, a differential and all that kind of stuff. They all come together to work. Well, it's the same with the car. The card, the church comes together and, and, and it works together. Well, what does that look like? Well, I'm saying that Jesus has painted us a picture here. And Paul has discovered it and laid it out that you and I might see how God has dreamed the church to live together. It's pretty cool stuff. And, and I, I found, I think, can I just say that uh, in my humble opinion, it's pretty hard for me uh, to be humble sometimes, you know. Anybody else want to testify? Come on, I know some of you dirty birds out there aren't raising your hand. You liars! Yeah, put me up here all on my own. Yeah, yeah. It's in my home that sometimes we're far better off at theologizing, philosophizing, uh, ecclesiastical uh, posturing, uh, jostling. Uh, strategizing practicum all right i just lost you all i almost lost myself there um look sometimes i think our our bark is bigger than our bite sometimes i think we talk a good talk but we don't know how to do the walk we're really good with the theology we don't know how to practice it are you with me don't get me started I'm one of these guys that loves practicum. I love, I love watching it happen. Sometimes it's dirty. Sometimes it's messy. But watching it happen God's way, oh, there's nothing like it. When you see a prostitute come out of a tent who's sleeping with a guy, now she's in your office working where everybody blesses her. In a couple of years, she's so saved, she goes to Africa with some of our people to give her testimony how God saved her from drugs, alcohol, prostitution, and all that. That's practicum. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. It's not just a highfalutin theology. It's how God has pictured the Church of Jesus Christ, and, and we are we are that that church. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting uh, when when I first met with your church board, um, I sit down. I didn't know any of them. I, I sit down with them over here in the. I think it's one of the children's classrooms. And we had a meeting. They were trying to figure out who in the world this guy was who lived up river from them. Did he just, just fall off a turnip truck? Or how did the DS come across this guy? And so I'm telling them a little bit about myself. We're going to have a meet and greet stuff. You tell me about me and you, and I'll tell you about me. And we'll kind of figure out who we are. I, I didn't even know if they wanted me, to be honest with you. I was just showing up as I was told to and just chat. One of the board members... She asked me a question that kind of surprised me. She doesn't even know to this day. And yes, I did say it was a woman. Uh, two ladies on that board. Um, she's, she's the kind of gal I've, I've discovered She doesn't. she's not afraid of asking hard questions. Have you ever met someone like that? I mean, sometimes she's in your face bold. She just throws it out there. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I tell you what, I'll give my right arm for people like that. When you got a person who just knows how to ask the right question. But this question surprised me. She just, she just right out of the blue, she goes, uh, When we're talking about who, you know, I, the churches I'd pastored and all this, well, she said, Have your churches grown? <laughs> Mary, where are you? Are you here, Mary? <laughs> she, oh, there you are. Mary, stand up. I love you. Give her a hand, will you? Mary, do you remember that? She does. All right. So I'm not just telling you the stories. I'm not just preaching. I'm telling you the truth. And that didn't really go well. Okay. And I said, well, yes. uh, In fact, I pastored four churches. I was a youth pastor in five churches before that. And all my churches have grown. And I'll tell you why. I didn't tell her this, I don't think, or tell the board. I think a lot of it's because of this picture we just read. And if you, if you put your heart and soul into this and you see what Jesus has done, it says that it is he who gave some. In fact, right before that, it says he descended into hell. He went into heaven. He descended into hell, which used to be in our, our rendition of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his only son. You know that one? He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. All that kind of stuff. We, we kind of leave that out now, but the theology here is great. And it was Jesus, Paul says, who gave some, he gave gifts, the word here is charis, he gives grace, it's the same word as grace, he gives gifts to the body of Christ, and here are leadership gifts. And it's God's picture of the church. So I begin to discover that this passage. Um, it, it drove me to know how to grow a church, not by doing it man's way. Because I found out a lot of my training was, was teaching me how to manage the church, not to grow the church. There's a big difference. If you're going to grow the church, first of all, you've got to be the model of how to do it. <laughs> and that's a wonderful thing. You've got to get your hands dirty yourself. And I love getting my hands dirty in ministry. It's not fun always, but it's rewarding when you see God change a life. Amen like the one I just described, and I got 20 more of those for you if you want in the next 10 minutes. We'll just go on. So it gives us focus, this, this passage. It dictates who a pastor ought to be, how he ought to share his time, spend his time, what he ought to be focusing on, um, because it's so easy to get distracted. You know, there's a lot of good things to do in the church. The problem is, it's the trick of the enemy to get a pastor doing all these good things, good, 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 good. It's kind of like have you ever seen the guys in the in the circus? They got a long stick and they got a plate, and they take that stick and they throw the plate up there, and they start going like that. They twirl the two. You know what's going on? And then oh, he gets another stick and he goes like that. And then he gets another stick and he goes like that. And then he goes like, and just he just got to run over here. he got to the, and then he goes over here and he's got this one going. And before you know what he's doing all these things. He's he's going so fast, they start falling. He gets too many plates going. Well, that's kind of like ministry. The enemy wants to get a pastor doing so many good things, he doesn't do the best things. And I found the larger my church has got, the more I had to focus not on all the things people wanted me to do, but what God had called me to do in bringing the church to maturity. And, and I love that. It's the way God's built me. It's what he called me for. I, I've given my life to it and I'm continuing to give my life. But, but what do I do? What, as a pastor, what do I do? How do I spend my time? And I don't expect everyone to know this because you've never, you've never pastored a church. You've never had to struggle through it. I don't know how many young pastors I've had sit down with me over the years and say, I don't know how to balance my family and how to balance the, the, the personal things i got going on in my life and the church and all the demands. I, I don't, the balance is pretty tough. And I want you to see when your pastor comes, You'll want to help him with this. You'll want to bless him with it. You'll want to release him to do what God's called him to do in the church and not burden him with all the good things, but let him do the best things. Amen? Amen. You know, I remember pastoring my first church. One of the things I began to understand or see that kind of surprised me was our our denomination. Um, they, They had a program. Every six months, they had a new program for me. If it wasn't this, it was that. And, and every time, how many remember March to a Million? Remember that one? Uh-huh. How about uh, everybody win one or save one? Or what was it? Everyone reach one. Remember that one? Uh, when, when I entered ministry, the, the last one I remember was best practices. What are the best practices? Well, that's part of what we're talking about. What are the best things a pastor can do? He can't do everything. That's why we have the body of Christ, right? It's the ligaments, We're the fingers, the arms, the elbows, the eyes, the knees. And God has given us a leadership, which, by the way, pastor-teacher, some theologians say it's one word in the Greek. It's kind of like a compound word, pastor-teacher. It's kind of like this. You can be a teacher without being a pastor. You can't be a pastor without also being a teacher. You get the difference? There's teaching, there's preaching. Uh, One of the guys that uh, is in the church here, uh, he's off in Arizona or something right now. Uh, He's probably listening. he, He said to me, probably... 20 times since I've been there, you're a teaching pastor, you're a teaching pastor. Well, you can't help but not be a teaching pastor. That's part of the job of the pastor is to teach and to preach. The skills are a little different. They're unique. But they're what God calls us to do. And and a pastor's got to focus on on bringing you the word. So the question is, how how long does it take a pastor to, to, to study, to bring a good sermon? Well, I can tell you. I can tell you the rule of thumb in seminary uh, which I often affectionately refer to as cemetery, cemetery. that's right. Um, the, the rule of thumb was you need, to, you need to study one hour for every minute you preach. So now let's say I preach a 40-minute sermon. I'm done. So the longer you preach, the more the quality goes down. Is that what we're saying? I hope not because, you know, I get paid by the word. So you just hang in there. Okay. But if you understand the amount of time it takes for a pastor to wade in to the to the to the scripture to feed the sheep that's his job to feed the sheep it takes a lot of time and if he goes around and does this 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 and he's got to run 90 miles an hour he never has the time he needs to settle into the scripture which is also a discipline by the way which I will get into but it's a discipline of getting into it and just letting it speak to you cuz if it doesn't speak to you it's not going to speak to them so what do i focus on i mean what's what's my focus you know, I think I told you the story of one of the first Sundays I came here. Um, I'm getting older, and my memory's not as good as it used to be when I came. Come on, lighten up a little bit, would you? Come on, lighten up. Okay. Amen. <laughs> I got an amen out of that one. Now I forgot what I was going to say. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing, yeah. I think I told you about the the, the woodworker. He worked in a wood factory, and uh, he decided he needed uh, some some stuff at home, so... Every day when he left, he grabbed a wheelbarrow, he put a box in it, and he rolled it out, and he's wheelbarrowing this box out. And he's got to go by the guard, the guard guy at the stand, and the guard guy stops and says, Hey, what's in the box? And, and, and he says, Well, it's sawdust. And the, and the guard said, Well, open it up, let me see. And he opened it up, and sure enough, it's sawdust. He felt around him, nothing but sawdust. He says, Okay, put it back, and okay, you can go. Second day, same thing. What's in the box? It's sawdust. Well, the third day, fourth day, the guard said, Now hold on just for a moment. I, I, I get a feeling that you're up to something. Something's going on here. I'll, I'll make you a deal. You tell me what you're doing. What, you, what are you up to? I won't report you. He said, All right then, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> so you understand the focus. You get focused on the wrong thing, you get the wrong, wrong result. And, and when a pastor focuses on so many different things, I, I once saw a study when I was still at Eugene that the average pastor deals with 16 or 17 different things every hour. Well, how do you get focused to what God wants you to do? Well, I'll tell you what, you've got to get on your knees and pray. You've got to ask God to help you. You've got to ask God for direction. But the word of God here, it really helps me understand what I should be doing. Now, if if I were the devil, and and I am not... But if I were the devil, you know what I'd do? I would get everybody in the church to think that the reason we bring a pastor in uh, is to do the work of ministry. Well, that's partly true. But the reality is we all have a a ministry. Every single person here who is a Christ follower has a ministry. If we went through the, the spiritual gifts, you would find out the minute you came to Christ, God gave you a gift through Jesus Christ. And you may, may not even know that you have it. If I'm around you very long, half of you I can figure out what your spiritual gift is pretty quick. I've studied them that long and I've studied people that long. God's given you a gift because the reality is if, we, if he made us all the same, we'd be really weak in a lot of areas, right? So he, makes it, he gives us these gifts that are so widespread they make a strong church just like from the bones all the way from the, the, the toes all the way up to the fingers, and he's put us together just the way he wanted so we could become strong. But if you don't use your gift, then that weak is going to be lean. That wink, it, week, that wink, that wink, is going to be wink. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> in other words, you're important in the body of Christ. You may not think you are, but God's given you a gift. And unless you use it, nobody else is using your gift the way you can. Because God's given you a personality. He's given you strengths and weaknesses. And he needs you to rise up, stand up, and use the gift that he's given you. Now, I'm tempted to go off into these gifts. But I've got a couple more Sundays with you. And we'll probably filter off there for just a little bit. But but, but if, I were the, if I were the enemy, I would try to trick everybody into thinking that the reason you bring a pastor in is to do all the work of ministry. No, 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 no. What it says right here, my Bible says... God has given these leadership gifts and the pastor teacher, he says that he has given them to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. That's why you have a pastor. is to prepare you, to build you up, to grow you, to teach you how to grow in yourself and to grow you up so the church could be the church the church could stand up and be strong and do everything god's called her to do so man i've got i wrote down four different pages of notes here not going to get to all of them um, how, how much time do we need it to end brother like 3 minutes 3 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> do i got my timer he said 3 minutes all right, that gives me more, more time than I thought right there. <laughs> oh, shoot. You know, um, one of the first things I did in my new church was I went into my office, I got on my knees, and I said, God, you've got to give me direction because if I'm going to lead this church, there's some things I'm going to have to do that ain't going to be fun. See, the first week I was there, I met a, a, a guy He's actually a board member. And the first time I met him, he told me what his job was. You know what he told me his job was? He said, uh, I stand at the front door and I watch who comes in and, and I determine who's like us and who's not, who's a fit and who's not. And if they're not a fit, um, I tell them they're not going to fit here. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Now, I'm a young pastor. This is my first church. Yeah, I have, I have been an associate in five churches, but this is my first church. And I'm going, what, what, what am I going to do with this guy? How am I going to handle a guy who thinks his job is to keep the church from growing? Let him go to hell. I don't care. They don't fit here. I mean, that's what he's doing. But I got just enough Scottish, Ireland, English, whatever in me <laughs> That, that I'm not going to take that setting down, but I was wise enough to get on my knees. I remember today as though it were yesterday, Pray, God, you got to give me direction and vision. I need wisdom, Lord. I'm a young man. This guy's retired. And he's trying to drive the people away that you have died on the cross for. My opinion, it doesn't get any more ugly than that. And there was these verses... These verses that helped me understand that I had a job to do, and sometimes it wouldn't be easy, sometimes it wouldn't be fun, but you know, I, I think today's the Super Bowl, right? Uh, Super Bowl, yeah, so um, you all know it's the Super Bowl, don't you? Come on, half asleep out there. I, I got a sister who lives in Kansas City, who do you think she's, she's rooting for I got a brother who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Who do you think he's rooting for? I'm going to do a lot of trash talking this afternoon. That's what I'm going to be doing. (laughs) So, one of the best little books I ever read was by Paul Cho. Have you ever heard Paul Cho? Catch this Paul Cho was a Buddhist, he was preparing to be a Buddhist monk. Paul Cho. Uh, His name's been David Yonggi Cho. God delivered him. And guess what? He became a strong Christian Protestant preacher in Korea. And when he wrote this book, are you sitting down? Well, yeah, yeah, that was a hypothetical question. Are you sitting down? You don't have to answer that. You're supposed to say, sure, pastor, we're sitting down. Paul Cho... When he wrote this book, had 200,000 people, active members in his church. And he did it through cell groups. But the reason I'm telling you this guy, I read that little book. He was a charismatic, a, a Pentecostal, which I am not. I am kind of charismatic in a sense. I'll put both hands up when I worship, so I guess that makes me charismatic, right? Yeah. By the way, I found out how to keep all the charismatics out of the church. You know how you do it? You just lower the ceiling fans. Never mind. Never mind. Come on. What, what are you going to do on my third? You're going to fire me now? Is that what you're going to do? Come on. Paul Cho. 200,000 members in his book. He said, they've told me I need to write a book about what God's doing here, but I don't feel worthy. I don't feel qualified. 200,000. There's no church like this in the entire world. And this guy, Buddhist monk turned Protestant Christian, radical Jesus follower like a Paul the Apostle and he feels unqualified to write a book about what God's been doing but here's what caught my attention I still got that little book and that was what 45 years ago or so on one page he said a pastor's two priorities are to equip the church and to motivate them to ministry now I got to tell you that made me mad really mad because uh, I was a little bullheaded, first of all. Uh, I was, uh, probably thought a little bit too much of my own ability. And it made me mad because I felt like I was pastoring a bunch of people that, well, they really, they didn't have the ability. Now, I'm being very honest with you. Because God had to take me to the woodshed. Are you with me? Because <laughs> I thought they were the problem. You're the problem. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Oh, did God teach me a lesson. Don't even have time to tell you about that lesson. But what I found out was the problem wasn't them, it was me. And I had to learn to be a leader of people, a leader of men, a lover of people. Not a manager, not a task driver, but someone who learned how to equip and motivate the church to be the church God called him to be. And I've been praying for 18 months for you that way. That God, that God would give you a leader. Because you, I'll tell you what, church. Mountain View Church is posture. Look at yourself. You're very close to needing to start a second service. They, they say, when well, they call it the 80-20 principle. They used to, the Pareto principle. It's when you're 80% full... You better do something because if you don't, to create more room, more space, you're going to either plateau or start dying. Dry, dry. You got to stay on top of it. And you're almost there, church. Look at this. Um, now they say it's a 65% rule because we've, we've, we've been going to theaters now for way too long. And, and theaters, they are kind of a hallmark uh, little piece that people study to say, when should we build more theaters. Well, they say when you're 65% full. Now, I don't know anything about theaters, don't really go to movies, but, but, but that's, the, that's the principle. You are postured for growth. And I'll tell you what, there's no reason. So I'm going to skip to the end of my sermon. Uh, well, no, no I got to tell you this, and then, then I'll skip to my sermon. You know, they say the average pastor who leaves a church because of conflict, he does it for less than one to three families in the church. And it doesn't matter the size of the church. Now, every church is going to have conflict. But we don't teach this well. That's what my doctorate is on. And we don't teach it well, and I have a passion for it. But in, in, in one to three families, you can have a church of 3,000, it's only one family, and they cause so much conflict, you leave, because you can't take it. So so you understand how we relate and how we how we are honest with each other, how a pastor raises us up, how we take our own responsibility is so important for the health and the unity of the church. And all it takes is one person to do this. And it creates a whole division in the body of Christ. That's why it says, speak the truth in love. And by the way, it says, if you've got a problem with someone, you don't go to everybody else. You go to who? To that person. Amen? Amen. Come on, church. So so I've been praying that God would give you a leader because you are postured for church. And so I'm going to ask you this question. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. What is your vision for your church? What is the picture in your mind in five years what this church would look like? What is it? In 10 years? uh, 400? 500? Tell you what, you guys, you guys own the watering hole on this side of the river. Did you know that? You own the watering hole. And if, you, and if you get that, if you get that, God will use you. Look, we got another church on the other side of the river. They run a little over 1,000 every Sunday. Their pastor is a very good friend of mine. And I'll tell you what, they didn't get there by accident. They did it because they, they, they had a vision and they ask, they ask this question what is it we're not willing to do in order to grow? And I've always said, if it's not unethical, unbiblical, immoral, then count me in. Because sometimes I find out I shoot myself in my own foot. Have you ever done that? I mean, not literally, but figuratively. You, know. you shoot yourself, you get in your own way of your own success. Yoo Am I talking to anybody out there? I had to learn that lesson pretty hard. And I had to learn when I changed, my church... When, when I grew, my church would grow. When I changed, my church would change. I had to move from a small model of pastoring to a large model of pastoring. And by the way, my, my, all my churches grew, yes. My first one, where I had this guy trying to kick people out, and he fought me until the day I left, literally. It was demonic. And... Uh, um, that church ran around 40 when I started. And when I left, it was running well over 100. Our highest attendance was 199. And that was on an Easter Sunday. And if I'd have known it was only 199 before the service was over, I'd have told everybody to sing a song. I'd have run across the street. I'd have knocked on Bill's door and said, Bill, you got to come over just for five minutes. Because I'd like to get the 200 count, buddy. Yeah. The last church I went to was under 200 when I got there. By the time I left, it was pushing 600. And at least two or three Sundays a year, we had 1,000. Let me tell you, that could be this church right here. You really could. You've got that much potential. I've been watching you and looking at you, looking at the gifts that God's given you. So I've just been praying, God, give them a leader who will bring them in and challenge them to be greater than they ever thought they could be. You've got a great finish. You've had a great pastor for 34 years. Now it's time for what was it? Moses and Joshua. Joshua to step in and finish the work. Completed. Wow, I love it. So what's your picture? 400? 500? 1,000? God has truly gifted you. He's given you a facility that's second to none on this side of the river. Look at it. But the building won't do it on its own. We got to do it ourselves, amen. Amen. And you can do it. I've seen you. You're a great congregation. I'd be proud to be your pastor. I'd be proud to be your pastor. God's got great days for you in the future. So I say this, and then I'm through. I don't know if you notice, but the way this passage begins, he, Paul the apostle, he encourages us to walk worthy of our vocation. Walk worthy. He's talking about integrity. He's talking about character. He's talking about passion. He's talking about our hearts. Walk worthy of whatever God's called you to do. Do it well. And then he says. Secondly, he says, um, he says, walk in humility. Walk in humility. And then he says, walk in, walk in unity. And the last thing he says is walk in maturity. Become like Jesus. (laughs) Dieter Bonhoeffer said, we're all like little Jesuses. Wherever we go, there goes Jesus working through us. So walk, walk worthy of whatever God's called you to do. Don't let the enemy ever suppress you or beat you up because God is in you doing a work that you've never imagined. And I believe that 100%. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Praying about it for two weeks to say, that you can do this. You guys, this is good. it's been a great ride for Lynn and me. But it's has a greater ride for you guys from here on out. Pastor Mike Curry, it's a great guy. I watched him preach to you. Silly guy, didn't use any notes. What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's wrong with him? He didn't only have it here, he had it here. A lot of guys, they only have it here. They haven't prayed it through, trickled down economy where it hits the heart and it's your passion. You preach who you are, what you believe. God does the rest. Well, Lord, we love you today. (laughs) We've already sung it, Jesus. You love us so much. You are so faithful. There is none like you. And this church, Lord, it's not about us, although we get to be included in it. Lord, um, we also exist for those who have yet to, to join us. That's part of our purpose. To care for one another and reach out into our community. So, Lord, we're looking forward to you for great days. I thank you for Mountain View Church, Lord. Thank you for all the investment in this body of Christ over the years, decades and decades, for a faithful pastor and ministers. God bless them. And as we look forward to our new pastor coming, Jesus, we ask that you would grow us so closely closely tight together that everything we do and say would bring you honor and glory and praise and that the kingdom would grow. And Lord, now Jesus, we say this in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon, as well as other sermons, and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.